Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 241 with a review of Red 2. I'm Christopher Schnazy. I'm Carson Patrick. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, Carson Patrick and I are going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Each week, we're going to try to bring you as many reviews as we can. Uh, This week, we have this review of Red 2. We're going to have a review of The Conjuring. And then also later on in the week, we're going to have a review of R.I.P.D. and Only God Forgives, which is out in limited release and VOD right now. So, Carson, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Not too bad. I, you know, I'm a little worried, though, because there's this document that just got out last night on WikiLeaks that says that you and I were involved in this podcast back in the late whatever it was, and I have a feeling our life may be in jeopardy. Uh, in the late uh, 2010s? <laughs> yeah, is that when that operation was supposed to be? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, well, there you, you know, go. When you got uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as Julian Assange exposing <laughs> everyone... <laughs> Oh, man. Spies that are old, that aren't as old as they were in, you know, good spy movies. But, you know, yeah, exactly. I I don't know what I'm saying. But basically we have. Uh, They're old. Yeah, We're we're back with all the retired people who are also. Red Red 2, more retired. Yeah, more retired, less extremely dangerous. Less extremely dangerous. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is a film that I, I don't remember exactly. What, what, refresh everybody on what your take was on the first Red. I did not like the first Red. I thought it, I thought it was a missed opportunity. Uh, and, and the opportunity being? Opportunity being, because um, I think we talked about the trailer way back in the day, and I think we were both pretty excited for it, because it it's a good concept, getting these like old... Uh, retired action not action dudes but uh kind of older generation actors in this uh slick looking action movie yeah um so that would like the idea of them like old people kicking ass and like john malkovich you know shooting a rocket with a bullet (laughs) you know be like old you know old man my ass or whatever and like stuff like that was cool you know like the 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 idea of it was cool uh i i feel like they didn't fulfill the coolness of the idea in the movie. I, I thought it started out good, and then there was somewhere in the midway point of that film, it just all all the air just deflated out of that movie, and I was just like, yeah, I didn't enjoy it as much as uh, I was hoping to. Yeah, well, I don't remember exactly what I said on the podcast, but I was definitely more positive um, on it than you were. Um I, I, I didn't I don't think, think I don't think um I don't think I talked or I don't think I was there for the review of oh, okay it, so somebody else was on somebody else was but got you all right well because I remember specifically I remember we talked about the trailer but I don't think I was the one who talked about it when you came down to review it got you all right well either way I I, I enjoyed it more than you did um I, I I don't think it's necessarily an awesome spy film but I think it like I think the way I described it was it was cute. Like, it was a very cute film. Like, I thought it was a good date movie. Um, it I mean, was, it's, it, it was safe. Yeah, it, it's, it's a safe film. Um, I, I think the, the original trailer sold it as a little bit something closer to a not-terrible Expendables cross with a not-terrible Losers. Um, right. The Losers. Um, that's kind of like what it seemed like it was going for. Um, obviously, it's based off a comic book. Um, yeah. So it, it was going to be, like, a little bit in that comic booky feel to it. Uh, but 
I, you know, I, I ultimately liked it. I, I've seen the first Red multiple times. Like, I've, I've rented it since um, that, like, not by myself, but, like, with family and stuff like that. We watched it, and I went and saw Red 2 with my family. Um, and I, I wouldn't say I was excited for this film, but I, I was definitely... I was optimistic that it could at least hit the level of what the first one was, where, where you're not going to think of it as this great spy film, but it's watchable and you can have a semi good time watching it. That, that, that's kind of like what I was getting ready for going into it. Yeah. I mean, I was optimistic for them having another chance to make a good movie. I mean, because this, I, I think red two is kind of a sequel that where it was kind of like, really did, did anyone want a red two? I, I feel like this and like Percy Jackson two are in the same league. Like, did, were people clamoring for another one? I, I, I don't know. Well, I, I think the the way that film is set up, and this is something that we can get into um, more when we actually start to review the film, is the first one was set up as this woman who's kind of like living her life through these little romance books in which this big cool spy guy comes and whisks away this uh, yeah. woman who's looking for a knight in shining armor. And like she's kind of like living vicariously through those books and then she gets to live out those books and the fact that this spy guy comes and whisks her off her feet. And I think the film, just the setup for the film was for them to go off and have other adventures somewhere in the future. So, I mean, I think whether or not people wanted or needed or read to, it was set up like it's sort of the pilot oh, episode yeah. for a franchise of these red films. Not no, not it, that... it was it was definitely set up for more movies. I just yeah. didn't think that apparently the movie made enough to them for them to justify another one. Yeah, but it wasn't like some huge hit where everyone was like, "Whoa, red!" You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I I, th- I mean, I'm just gonna go out on a limb here, but I, I would say that you know, J.J. Abrams could have easily like made one episode of a show and then kickstarted some new show that could go on that oh, could continue yeah. this. I mean, I think this would work perfect in like a JJ Abrams style um universe. Uh, Dude, there was a show that he wanted to make with uh Terry O'Quinn who played John Locke on Lost and Michael Emerson who played Ben. All right. On Lost. Um he wanted to have those two guys played like playing retired spy dudes who uh were uh, enemies at one point and now and then they uh end up living next door to each other in like some <laughs> retirement community um and that sounded awesome to me uh, i don't know if they ever went through with that <laughs> two retired ex whatever <laughs> living in an apartment i was like that'd be i'd watch that show man that that sounds like fun <laughs> yeah it would basically be mr and mrs smith but <laughs> two dudes <laughs> but with ben and john locke <laughs> Yeah. From last. <laughs> Good times. Um, all right. Well, uh, what do you say we watch the trailer for Red 2 and then get into whether this met or didn't meet our expectations and what we thought about this film? All right. What are we doing here with all this balls? We're having a ball. We're living life. Frank, what are you doing here? I need you. Look, I'm retired, okay? You haven't killed anybody in months. That's a positive thing. They're coming. I can feel it. <laughs> 96 hours ago, somebody said you and I took part in an operation called Nightshade. I 
the height of the Cold War, a Megaton device was smuggled into Moscow piece by piece and then reassembled. The scientist was Edward Bailey. He's in an asylum for the criminally insane. Frank Moses, my dear fellow. Why are you so old? You've been locked up here for 32 years. Come on, Frank, you're gonna be kidding me, yeah? Come on, put him up. 11 million people are gonna lose their lives if you don't help me. Is there any way you could tell us where the bomb is? I invented it. It's not good. MI6 has just given me a contract to kill you. Apparently you're number one on Interpol's most wanted. What did you say? It's important to enjoy life while you still can. They're sending an old friend of yours as well. He's the best contract killer in the world. We need help. Hello, Frank. Who is she? Trouble. How are things? Yeah, Frank. How are things? <laughs> happens in the Kremlin stays in the Kremlin. You gave her a gun. She has no idea what to do with this. I know exactly what to do with it. Oh, It'll be like the old days, Frank. I hate her so much. You're dead, man, Moses. I ain't dead yet. I never heard of you. Must be a little bit before my time. Well, you've heard of me now. Saving the world! Nostrovia! Nostrovia! Budim the... All right, so here we have Red Tomb... Pretty much everybody is back, and uh, what do you know? They're in trouble again. They're still retired, and they're apparently still extremely dangerous. And apparently, a document has leaked connecting them to some operation or thing called Nightshade. And uh, turns out people who were involved in whatever that thing could turn out to be uh, aren't happy that uh, these people are out and about and send a bunch of people to kill them. And we even have, like, we, we, we got governments trying to get them. We got, like, assassin guys trying to get them. It's just all crazy stuff, and this group of our little ragtag retirees are all, you know, trying to figure out what the hell this nightshade thing could possibly be and uh, stay alive as they try to get hunted down by a bunch of people. So, Carson, what did you think of this film? Uh, first, let me regale you with a story. Um, the other week all at right. work, I was at work, and... Um, one of my boss's clients came in and it was, it was a mom and she had a very young child who was probably like three or four maybe, but this kid was so hyper and he was running around everywhere and he wouldn't stop screaming. And we have like a, a bowl of candy out front and he just, for some reason really wanted a yellow lollipop from it. And so any, every word out of his mouth was, Yellow candy, yellow candy, yellow candy. And he repeated that over and over again. And his mom went and sat down with my boss because he was, like, giving her some talk about some things. And um, the whole time he was just talking over him, like, yellow candy, yellow candy. And mom would be like, stop, stop. And like, this kid would just keep going and going and going until finally she had to, like, pry him out, you know, away from the, the candy bowl as they were leaving. And it was just, I mean – 
this it was this it got to the point where you just wanted to drop kick this kid like it was like so crazy and um i i i felt like that red 2 is the cinematic equivalent of this kid like just constantly yelling yellow candy yellow candy yellow candy like at like a shouty level like just some shouty kid screaming in your face while he constantly punches you in the nuts like that's red 2 like retired extremely dumb like is what this movie should be called like this sequel makes the first movie look amazing because yeah this just this just did not need to be made like and if it did like they needed a complete rewrite on this script because I, I truly felt like they wrote one draft of it over a weekend and was like, well, it's good to go. <laughs> People will see it. Like, I, it just, it felt so half-baked and and it wasn't funny at all. Like, at least the first film had a little bit of charm to it with all the, all these old guys kind of getting back together for another mission. This just was like, had zero charm and energy and... Uh, it just was so shrill, like everything about it was just loud. And like I said, it's like, shouty is like a good word to describe this film. It's just like just nonstop barrage of uh, of just I had just so much like shooting and and inconsistent tone. Like the tone of this movie is just way off. Like it, I mean, it's supposed to have that like fun comedy action tone and. This movie is just it's so wildly inconsistent. Like it, it it really does make you appreciate a movie like Iron Man 3, which I think hits that balance really well of, you know, or any of the Iron Man movies for that matter, but specifically, you know, you know, movies this summer if you want to compare to. Uh like it I think it's a hard tone to strike and it could it could go really south if um you know, you don't nail it, and I don't think this movie does at all because I don't. There was just something about it that was just like it, it was so violent, and it like even though there was no blood or anything, it just it just seemed weird. Like this was oh, we're just willy nilly. Like this is fun, you guys, and I'm like I don't know. Like I mean, this isn't exactly the family friendly. I remember some the producer of this movie described it as like oh yeah, like it's not just for for older uh the older crowd like this is a family friendly movie and i was like i i guess like i don't think so like I, it's pretty violent and uh loud and just obnoxious really like just like that kid in the office like just would not shut up like and that's what i felt this movie was and uh i think there's like a lot of a lot of like i said again a lot of potential being wasted and a lot of uh stars and good good actors and, and stars in this movie who are just there to cash a, a good check. Like, I mean, Bruce Willis, I don't think he's been so bored ever in a movie like this. It's really a shame that, you know, he's done like two other sequels this year that have been equally as, as bad. But, um, yeah, I mean like, but not even him, like, even John Malkovich wasn't that quirky or anything to me. Like all of his lines really fell flat to me. Like it, and they weren't even like something that was funny. Like it was just, like I said, it felt like they wrote it very hastily and anything that came out of his mouth that was supposed to produce laughter, it almost was just like, to me, it, it was like, really? Like this is the best you could come up with? Like I, 
I, uh, yeah, I didn't have a fun time watching this movie. I, I actually was laughing because it was so stupid. Like it just, it almost felt like a parody of itself. Like, because, uh, I read an article about, uh, over the weekend about how like every, you know, uh, it was actually a review of Conjuring, but we can get to that later, but it was, he was basically praising that movie for being kind of, you know, being not what most summer blockbusters are, which are these like shrill, loud, you know, camera is like right in front of the actor's nostrils while they, you know, have these like cut up action sequences set to dubstep or whatever. And I like I was that was like I was remembering that the those little lines like when I was watching this movie, because there is seriously a moment in this film it's a scene in the trailer where Helen Mirren's like in the car and she shoots, you know, her guns out the window and it's all in slow motion. And it's literally on the soundtrack, just a guy going, ah, and I'm just like, Oh man, that's like the epitome of this movie. Just loud shit in your face. And, uh, yeah, it's not good. All right. Well, uh, I think you're getting way, way too upset for a film that. I don't think you care whether or not it's good. Um, I mean, that's just an observation I, from my side of things. I, it just seems like you are caring way more than you well, should. Why would this. I get way too upset when it's not a good movie? Like, no, the 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 level to which you're trying to rage against this uh, this film is just surprising to me. Based on like it, I. Based on your complaints, I should expect that you're like just go eh, kind of kind of response as opposed to like you're angry like they spit on, uh, I don't know, the thing uh, remake or something like they spit on the legacy that <laughs> the the comic books had or something. Like, I don't. I wasn't like enraged. I just felt like I was assaulted. I I don't I don't know. I think you're being a little too harsh. Um, and it's it, I don't know. It just seems weird because the level to which you're you're rallying against this is is surprising to me. But um, I will say this is not, uh, this film doesn't reach the level, I guess, of, it, it, it's not quite as fun and, uh, enjoyable as, as the first film was. I don't think it's quite as bad as what you're saying. I mean, I, I think all these things that are loud or obnoxious or in your face are, are in that way because they're, they're, they're not really spoofing spy film, but they're like, they're trying to be like that that moment is supposed to be badass and what makes things badass like the way you joke when like another film does something badass you're like America and like do like oh <laughs> you know like the the reason yeah. why that song is playing there is is because it's trying to be like look how badass Helen Miriam is in in this moment and yes that scene makes no sense at all because she sticks her guns out both sides but then only fires on the one side and then when the car rotates around again she moves that arm back to the other side and fires on yeah. that side like it it doesn't make any sense but like I don't, I don't see that as a problem because it's supposed to be it's supposed to be kind of silly it's just like the scene um, obviously it, it actually in, in red in the first red film it actually was badass when um, the the CIA guy hits the side of Bruce Willis's car and as it's spinning he just gets out and unloads. Like, oh yeah, a that, clip that was that. cool. Yeah, yeah. And in this film they have the the opposite and like the opposite style moment where um, Catherine Zeta Jones is like flying up in the car and she yeah, spins and she... the car around while switching to the passenger seat and then he sits in the car as it goes by instead of right, getting out yeah. of it. 
Um, so there, there, there's stuff in this film where it's just supposed to be like that. That scene was supposed to be the equivalent of the scene you referenced earlier with uh, with John Malkovich shooting the rocket with his revolver. Like this is supposed to be that that type of scene. Like that's this is supposed to be the equivalent. So it's supposed to be weird like that. Um, so I don't. Yeah, think... but there wasn't there wasn't like this perpetual factor in the first movie of like just pure dumbness. Like I didn't feel dumb watching it. Like I felt dumb watching this movie. Well, what you did say in reference to the first film is that around the halfway point, it started to get dumb for you. Um, well, no, it didn't get dumb. I just thought it, it lost like energy. It just became kind of dead air. But like the whole time I wasn't like going like, oh, like I, I didn't feel like I was being assaulted gotcha. with just like them trying to throw everything into the pot. Like it feels like you know, they're almost taking to the concept, like, this is a sequel, we have to make everything bigger and louder and more explosions, you know, like that whole ordeal. Well, I think the idea was in this film, they're just trying to make it a more of a global thing. Well, yeah. It's it's not just this little group of people who, oh, no, these guys, like, in the other one, it was the people they work for had labeled them retired, extremely dangerous, and they had to take them out. So it was their own forces. This is... There's this operation they were involved with back in the day, and now every every like superpower who was involved in that operation is now sending whoever is on hand at that time to try to stop them because they're worried about fallout from. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean they're trying to to expand the universe and the scope of this movie, obviously as most sequels tend to do, and I just felt like that this one was just cranked up to eleven. And when it didn't need to be, like, I, I think they could have come down a little bit. Like, I I feel like this movie just moves. It, it zips along, but it, it's not – it doesn't make you care about any of the characters. Like, there's a certain character death in this film, and literally the characters, like, shrug it off after, like, it happens. And you're just kind of like, well, if they don't care, why should I care? Yeah, so so all that's true, and I, I, I will have a difficult – time trying to defend this film uh, because it's not necessarily worth def- defending but I will just say in not in my defense but like I basically this film didn't bother me as much as it did you clearly um, but then again the first film didn't bother me as much as the first film bothered you um, but like for me really the thing that made the first film work so well was basically Mary Louise Parker like her her, her character yeah. um, just the idea of who she is and what this group of people represents to her like it was just funny having this like normal nice every woman i guess and her being thrust into this world of of this spy life and having to deal with um you know like just bruce willis and what he's doing while trying to protect her but trying to figure out what's going on and it was really just the charm of her getting used to this crazy life being super excited by it because it's exactly what she's reading in her little romance trash novels um but at the same time being like not sure what's going on like they just they they had a good rapport even though bruce willis was just really kind of cold and like not like he was he was kind of sleeping through his role in the first film too like the way he described him doing in this but it worked because of what she was doing and i think that this this film while it does try to recapture a bunch of stuff from that first film and just try to like emulate that again in this film it actually worked like like her um her 
just totally wanting to get back in and do spy stuff and him wanting to just protect her and, and not be involved in that. Like he wants to like, even though he does really want to be doing spy stuff, he really wants to just settle down and have a normal life. Kind of like the way he was trying to do with the first film and like putting up Christmas decorations and crap like that. And she just wants to be in the action. And then once he's in the action, like, you know, they, they, she's like, oh yeah, I don't want you going out there and just like hanging out with all your old, like whatever sexy what whatever i forget the word she uses but like basically saying like there's probably a bunch of like hot spies out there that you're gonna have to be working with like i want to go because i don't want you out there by yourself and then it turns out there's this old flame and like just the her her situation and and um the way she's just constantly being jealous and saying that she hates Catherine zeta jones and stuff like like all that worked for me it wasn't like ha 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 this is hilarious but it was, but it was very cutesy and it played off that relationship dynamic that was alive in the first film and like i if this film was a standalone film and that first one didn't exist i don't think any of that stuff would have worked but because that first one's there and this is following up and it's just continuing that relationship and you know this is the logical conclusion to not collusion but it's the logical next step in where that relationship would go um given the circumstances like i i ate all that stuff up like i I had a good time with it. Um, and even as you were saying, like John Malkovich's lines weren't uh, super h- funny or hilarious, but his character is still, still quirky. He's not quirky in the way he was in the first film where he's like wearing weird stuff and like carrying the pig and like, right, Oh yeah. shit, like cell phones and helicopters. But he, he's, he has this, he has this almost a new personality that once again, I think is a logical extension of like, you know, what? I'm sick of running. I'm sick of doing all this crap. I'm still paranoid, but I'm too apathetic to really care anymore. So I'm just hanging out and I know what's going to happen. And like just his like, I didn't feel like he was sleeping through the role. I thought I felt like his character was sort of just like, dude, I don't even care anymore. Like, yeah, you go off and do that. Oh, she's bad, whatever. Like, But the way he like his character really came out in the way he was who he was privately interacting with Mary Louise Parker's character like like the whole like no she can't have a gun and then as soon as Bruce Willis turns away okay here's your gun um like just things like that like I once again like I can only call this film a cute film and I think it works on that level and I think that's really what it's aiming for and I like I know that a bunch of the stuff annoyed the crap out of you and yes there's some senseless violence and some of that but I think it still is a fun film and I think it still works as a date movie. And I think that, uh, yeah, I, I think there's still enjoyable stuff in it. Like I said, it doesn't quite reach the level of the first red, um, which I did genuinely enjoy. Uh, but I think there's still enough there to ground it as being something that is, it, it's worth watching if you like the first film. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I will agree that, Mary Louise Parker pretty much makes anything a smidge better, uh, whatever she's in. I mean, if there is one positive from this movie, it's her. Um, and she's also the, you know, one positive from another acronym based movie that came out this weekend. (laughs) Um, but yeah, like her, her chemistry with Bruce Willis, I think was more effective in the first movie, but here, there is, you know, you can still kind of see that here, even though they still feel like we're only here for the money. But, um, yeah, I mean, she is probably the bright spot of this movie. Um, but 
to me, it's just, I don't know, like, if if I wanted to watch an action comedy, like, I just, I mean, The Losers, I think, was a, a much superior, uh, pretty un- underrated action comedy, in my opinion. I mean, because, yeah. like, that came out the same year as Red, and I just remember thinking when I saw uh, the first Red that it wasn't as good as The Losers, or The A-Team, for that matter, but The Losers was kind of more in its wheelhouse, Um but well, yeah, I mean, the, like the there's Losers a, was a little I mean, more tongue in cheek too. Like it was, yeah, yeah, it was definitely going for that kind of comedic, humorous vibe and a little more crazy badass ness to it. Uh, but like everything from the casting to what was actually going on, it was sort of meant to be. It was meant to be closer to the comic book style than uh, Red is. Yeah, and I mean, I don't. I mean. You say the movie is cute, but I don't know if you can do cute and also have senseless violence. I don't know if you could do that. I'm well, trying to think if there is a movie. The, 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 when he has the grenade launcher in the first film and he fires it off and just takes out the guy on top of the shipping container, like that was but that was that surprise was violence. Awesome. That was that was like holy crap, that just happened. I mean the, the, there's like a but I think that all comes down to tone because I mean like Iron Man three was pretty violent, but like I was I think that it works with the film. Like, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I'm against these violent movies. I was just, like, surprised at how, like, blasé this movie was acting, like, in Red 2. It just felt like it was all fun and games. And, like, you know, there are scenes where you're just kind of like, whoa, like, that's just, like, I just didn't mix well. That's, it just didn't mix well to me. Um... And, you know, apparently when you're in a gunfight, you better make sure there's a canister of Pringles there because they'll come in handy. <laughs> also, hey. there's a Papa John's right by the Kremlin. I That that was in Ghost Protocol, I think. Tom Cruise ran by a Papa John's <laughs> when the Kremlin bl- blew up. Uh, yeah. All but right. that, that's, that's another good example of, like, a, a, a really solid spy action movie with – great comedy in it is is the last mission impossible but but i i will say just real fast though the pringles wasn't just stupid product placement it was actually no, utilized no. in a way that made sense it was utilized but it got two close-ups so it was definitely there to be like hey look it's a can of pringles but the close-up was focusing more on the chips and not the logo to the product it the logo was definitely in full view all right. Well, the first thing I zeroed in on was the actual chip sticking out of the canister, not the logo. So yeah, I mean, I it's just it's difficult, especially like that, where I mean, like, a product placement in movies is fine, but I feel like when like Bruce Willis is in this like just random nondescript like filing room, and all of a sudden there's a Pringles can in there, like it just feels really out of place. Dude, Russians gotta have their Pringles. I I know, but I mean, don't you think they'd be like Russian Pringle? Like, what's the Russian equ- equivalent to Pringles? I, I don't know, man. All I know is that they popped during the Cold War and they can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know, man. What 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 else do you have uh, to complain about in this film? I, I don't. I I don't. I just didn't like this movie. Oh, oh! I will say uh, the guy from GI Joe Two. He's like the he's the world's best contract killer, um, but he can't kill Bruce Willis. Obviously, well, it's because uh, Bruce Willis is 
like the the best not die from a contract. I, I know, but like that's that's how it always is in these movies. Where like some guy is the greatest at what he does, yet he can never, you know, pull it off. Like he never. It always comes to a point where it's just like, all right, I'll switch sides, or no, I will not do this. But but Carson, you have to remember that being the greatest at something doesn't make you successful. That thing, like if if everyone else is really shitty, then if you're a little less shitty you're still the best at what you do yeah but it's just like it's just a trope that's like way overused i think yeah because you know he's not gonna kill bruce willis because he's the star or any of the other people and then i just thought it was funny i was like if this dude mentions his plane one more damn time like forget your plane (laughs) i don't i was just like really guy like it was a nice plane it was a nice plane, but you know what? He's obsessed. It's an inanimate object. Who cares? Well, that's how he gets to all his jobs. Dude, he, he switched sides. He was just uh it a lot of people were indecisive in this movie. I was just waiting for the for the the, the big reveal that he's the one that trained him. <laughs> <laughs> you were trained I, by Kordetsky. So. I trained Kordetsky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um. Yeah that that whole character was kind of useless. To yeah, he me. didn't need to be there really. Like, I he really needed to be there so that there could be some physical action that our geriatric cast can do. Could could like you know be uh, up against? I, He's like, I guess our, our cast can barely climb stairs. Let's get somebody who can kick <laughs> higher than his own head. Oh, <laughs> uh, and I love how I love how Helen Mirren was just like, yeah, this psych ward. Is like a prison within a prison. Yet they break in like no big deal. Yeah. Okay. You well, know what? No, when I'm I mean, breaking they, out of a prison, I call Sylvester Stallone. All right. They, they they broke into the prison inside the prison. You just didn't see the first prison break in. Like I I didn't. The first they broke time, in pretty fast. The though. first time was like Fort Knox style. It was like really hard to get into. And then inside of it, it was just like, oh yeah, now we can just trick this guy. It felt like they just waltzed in. Really. They did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like, whoa, real real maximum security on that prison there. Uh, well, well, the problem is that they, they broke into the psych ward, and it's really easy to break in when you can have them bring you in by just acting psychotic. True, but you'd, you'd think they would be accustomed to these things. I, I don't know, just... Yeah, I, I, I don't know either. I don't know. It was just It was just another thing where it was like, it was a hurdle that was like easily overcome because you know that they are going to overcome it. Cool. All right. Well, uh, I don't have much more to say about this film because, I, like I said, it's not very easy to defend this film. But I think that it, it, it achieves what it set out to be, which is a, a, a film to star Mary Louise Parker just like being out of her element but having fun. And trying yeah. to learn how to use a gun that doesn't have an external safety on it. <laughs> it was like kind of cool when the two Hannibal Lecters met, like when Anthony Hopkins and Brian Cox like shared like ten seconds together, and then they left. Yeah, I, I, th- I thought he was kind of wasted. Anthony Hopkins didn't really do a whole lot. No, except for one scene where he got a little crazy eye, and then actually <laughs> got to be Anthony Hopkins for about fifteen seconds. Yeah. I felt like the, especially him acting all wacky and stuff, uh, was was a was a wasted opportunity because I we're, we're so used to seeing him play these psycho villains that, uh, or you know, tough guys that I wanted more of of 
kooky Hopkins. Yeah, you want a little less jolly good, jolly good, and a little more like fava beans. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted, I wanted more of the jolly good though. <laughs> you wanted he more was... of the jolly good. No, yeah, I wanted him more of acting goofy and stuff. Gotcha. Yeah, he didn't act goofy enough. I mean, he was barely in the movie, so yeah, that was another problem. But yeah, well, he's been locked away for thirty something years. That's true. Yeah, I mean, his plan. If you think about it, a lot of crap had to come together conveniently for his plan to work out. I thought yeah. it was pretty straightforward. <laughs> I don't know, man. All I know is that uh, Batman did it better. Okay, if you if you catch my drift. I I think I get your drift, but it's more of a stretch than a drift. Um, I don't know. I was just so delirious by that point. I was just like, can this movie be over, please? Uh, Batman wasn't even trying to do the same thing. No, but I was just, uh, I was so over this movie by the time, uh, you know, that happened that I, yeah. Well, that's convenient because I'm over with this review. I Dude, I honestly think I'd rather watch Fast 6 again. That's because that Fast bad. 6 is freaking awesome. <laughs> but it wasn't, so. Except for it was. Or maybe Die Hard 5 again, because at least it was shorter. <laughs> All right. Anyways, what do you say we wrap this episode up and get on to our Conjuring um, okay. review, which will have a connection to the next Fast and Furious film that comes out. Oh, <laughs> It will, yeah. So that, that's one thing to maybe or maybe not get excited about. Yes, exactly. But yeah, why don't we get to our verdicts, uh, which I know where you're headed with this one, Carson. But why don't you let us know whether, uh, if you were going to place this on a scale of must-see, reckon with the caveat, wait for rental, pass with the caveat, or must-avoid, where would you place it? I would give it a must-avoid wholeheartedly. Man, what a dick. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't like it, I don't like getting punched in the nuts by children. Yeah, but if you get punched in the nuts by Clive Owen or Jason Statham, it's okay. <laughs> It's okay in the form of that trailer. In the context of the movie, it's not okay. (laughs) All right. Well, anyways, I I think quality-wise, this is probably wait for rental, but it's also passable. Um, I think think if you've seen the first one and you thought it was really cute, then this gets a wait for rental because you're probably going to think this one's still cute again. Um, if you're near, new, uh, if you're new to the franchise or you didn't care that much about the last one, um, this really isn't going to do it for you. You're probably going to land somewhere closer um, to where Carson is on the scale, but not that surprisingly angry. Um, so I'm, it, I'm somewhere mixed in there. It's basically like a wait for rental if you really want to see it or just live your life not having experienced it. I think you should just live your life not having experienced it. All right. Well, uh, Carson, where do you want to let everybody know where you're living your life without experiencing I'm, it? I'm living my life uh, on practicalcandy.wordpress.com. Yeah. Cool. People can find me over at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilTheWarning.com where you can get all the back episodes of the show. Uh, you'll also over there find our reviews of... Uh, the Conjuring, uh, the R.I.P.D. and Only God Forgives, which will be coming out in the feed uh, later on in the week after this episode. And uh, you can figure out when all these episodes go live by following us at twitter.com slash spore the warning or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the spore the warning. 
if you want to get a hold of us directly and you know back me up and say this film is cute or tell me I'm stupid and Carson is correct, uh, you can do that by sending an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this, ep- this episode will likely be some sort of like screaming rock sounds. It'll be like, ah! Coming from Alan the Alan is shooting the bad guys! I might just ah! I might just record Carson right now and just loop that over and over and have that be out Yeah, that's it right there. Just my eardrums exploding. You know, maybe it's because you had to go see it in RPX. <laughs> oh god! If I saw this movie in RPX, I would be deaf. All right. Well, uh, yeah. That that is this, this review. Um, we're gonna go. Hopefully, Carson will be a little bit happier um, once we start the recording for the Conjuring, and he won't be quite so angry anymore. He will, um, he will have gotten over his uh, his hatred for Red Two. Um, I just I wasn't angry. I was just delirious by that. That movie just made me a little. Uh, I don't know. I just I just was off my rockers. All right. Well, uh, let's take off and uh, get into that other review. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we will catch you in the next one.